What's up, future changemakers? You're listening to Impact India, a podcast that deep dives into the epic stories of social entrepreneurs and social innovation in India. Impact India is sponsored by CauseArtist, your go-to social impact lifestyle online platform for all things social goodness around the world. And I'm your host, Jasmine Rain, social entrepreneur and director of content at CauseArtist. You can connect with me on Instagram at Jasmine Rain. All right, no stopping us now, full speed ahead. Let's jump into today's episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to Impact India. I am so excited about today's episode. I know that I say that every week, but today especially because I am chatting with Shraddha who is a knitwear designer and textile artist based in New Delhi. She's also the co-founder of Loda India and runs an independent textile studio. And I'm really excited to dive into some of the amazing textile innovations she's been working on. So to give you a little bit of background, Loda is an exploration into the intersectionality of sustainability, fashion, and visual identity, creating a parallel economy to the mainstream fashion model. It aims to give a new life to the thousands of tons of fabric waste that are discarded every hour by the mainstream fashion industry. Their mission is to promote the practice of reuse, reduce, and recycle, and are doing so by collaging in old textiles and garments into absolutely incredible new experiences. Uh, Shadha's work combines sustainability and craftsmanship and has led her to work on some really incredible projects, such as her knitted khadi fabric using kala cotton and knitted sweaters for the Ashish August Winter 2019 collection, which was seen at London Fashion Week. Ooh, Shraddha, welcome to the show. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Jasmine. This is amazing. I'm so glad to be here. I'm um, so excited to connect with you again. And I'm I want- so excited as well. This is so fun. Like, I love how we're doing this amidst COVID from like our respective homes. And yeah, I love it. Absolutely. I, I think it's actually, this has been one of the best ways to, to connect with the community um, during this time because everyone has a little bit more downtime. There's so much to talk about. And, you know, I'd love for you to start us off with, you know, what has your journey looked like? How have you become this like, badass woman, you know, innovating textiles and running a fashion enterprise. What has led you here? Yeah. Actually, I think um, I've just had some amazing like women in my life that have sort of fed into the work I do today. Um, I think like for me, my journey with textiles started pretty early on. Um, and that kind of had like, basically with my grandmother sort of being this like entrepreneur with like four kids um, and like a single mother sort of, you know, like she started making sweaters and she started making like a lot of stuff with textiles and started um, selling those to just like make a living. Um, And I think a lot of that has kind of really inspired me in my journey as well. Like it's always pushed me to understand the importance of like self resiliency and also like, self-sufficiency like just self-reliance and sort of just making things on your own and like just understanding the power that you have as a person to just make with your hands Um, and I think that's kind of where my journey um, started Um, I would just like accompany my grandmother and my dad to all these like farms these cotton farms um, these places with like amazing sort of uh, printing facilities um, and 
yeah, just like a bunch of textiles, be it printing, be it like cotton farms, be it spinning houses, being textile mills. Um, I think I've, it, it was just like inherently a part of who I was as a child. Like this is literally all I would do because my mother was like a doctor. Um, so I spent most of my time with like my grandmother and my dad. Um, that's actually the foundation also of Lota because um, I would sort of go to all these factories and see like piles and piles of sort of textile waste just like forming these mountains in um, the basement of these factories and I very like have these vivid sort of memories of literally like playing on those piles like literally that was my playground I would um, sort of climb up on those waste piles thinking that this is like my mountain of uh, this is like my mountainous sort of playground or whatever um, so yeah, I think this is, yeah, that's kind of, um, had like a really long-term impact on the work I do today. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, this, uh, the, having the inspiration come from, uh, your surroundings as well. So like being, you know, going around with your grandmother and father, um, getting to see all of these different facilities and then seeing maybe the problem um, within the industry, but not like at a young age, you know, kind of just, you know, reveling in the like beauty of it and enjoying and then, you know, uh, growing up, starting to see firsthand, like, okay, now I can connect uh, all the issues with what's happening in the production side. And um, so that, that makes total sense that you became like this amazing innovator in the fashion industry. And so, I mean, what does your process look like? You know, I, I always see on Instagram, you're like playing with some cool new textile. And I want to know, okay, what, first of all, what are you currently working on that's super cool that you can share with us? Um, so I think with me, like, it's always been an issue. I feel like my anxiety is just like over the roof all the time. Um, and what sort of helps so me bad. stay grounded is just like keep making with my hands. Uh, that's like one way. That's kind of my meditation, to be very honest. Like my like therapy doesn't work for me or like just other ways sort of never have worked for me. Um, but I've always like sort of um, found solace in just like making. And so I kind of right now what I do is um, I'm working on two different projects apart from Lota. Um, one sort of being that I'm working on this biomaterial, which can sort of operate as, um, as an air filter. Um, so it's kind of got like, it's made of seaweed and it's made of sort of, um, activated carbon. Um, so I'm kind of weaving that I'm kind of seeing where this textile can maybe go, where, what is the future of biomaterial or how is it that we can really, um, you know, like squeeze the most out of um, resources that are abundantly available versus resources that are basically so scarce. Um, that's kind of one project. And the other project that I'm kind of working right now is um, a knitting project where I'm trying to connect sort of generations. And the way I sort of see that is... Um, it's sort of an approach to connect like the life my grandmother's had to the life my mom has and to the life that sort of I have. And I feel like textiles have always been such an integral part of this conversation, this like intergenerational conversation and like even with hand-me-downs um, and stuff. So I'm kind of exploring that space a lot um, through knitting. Um, 
and how I'm doing that is I'm also working with some fibers. I like to work with fibers. Like I like to start my process from the very top instead of just like buying fabric or whatever. Like I do feel that there is um, working from the fiber stage is extremely important because you also see the process so transparently like because you're making the fiber you know how much um sort of like you know how transparent that system is um and you don't have anyone else to blame um and also like you know i see that a lot in the marketplaces that you sort of get like these organic cotton certifications and xyz's um but a lot of the times they're not even true so i like to spin my own yarn and Basically, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to work with Kala Cotton, which has its history dated back during the time when the British hadn't taken literally everything from, you know, the, the farmers and just like our history. Um, so Kamir sort of has this beautiful initiative where they're trying to revitalize, re um, sort of uh, do the whole process of color cotton and grow it again also because like it basically doesn't need any irrigation artificial irrigation per se it only sustains on um, rainwater and that's literally the most organic of organic things that you can find that you know like this crop doesn't even need any artificial irrigation it literally survives on water from the rain um, so that's kind of really beautiful. I'm trying to take that uh, fiber and sort of involving that into my practice of connecting generations through this um, conversation of knitting. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's really, this color cotton is very incredible. Like I'm, I, I'm curious, like why did it kind of not exist after, you know, colonization? Um, so basically, <laughs> Yeah. So essentially what happened with color cotton is that it's literally a very short staple. So it doesn't really give you long sort of, uh, it's a short staple fiber is what it is. And usually like during the British Raj, I think what was needed is like really long. And also because that determines how thin your fabric will be and how sort of, um, uh, you know, even the surface, of the fabric is going to be and I guess like British just wanted the best of the best quality of cotton without actually caring about the soil um, so I think that's kind of where I feel like color cotton is really magical because it's always been in our history but it just like sort of disappeared from the surface of our um, land and it's really great mm. that Kami is sort of trying to bring that back by growing it again yeah, absolutely. You know, a, a theme that I feel like just consistently comes up in every uh, podcast episode is just the incredibly resourceful and like sustainable like history and roots that like India actually was or, like embedded in this country that seem to have just completely been stolen away by constant, um, uh, honestly, <laughs> by colonization and also just like... Um, uh, this idea of needing to kind of keep up with this synthetic, fast-paced, uh, you know, kind of, you know, convenient yeah. lifestyle that uh, the West really, you know, thrives on, but was also destroying everything. Um, yeah. And it's interesting how regardless of, of who I'm speaking to, 
uh, there's always a connection to the fact that like there was always something that was way more resourceful that was being done. You know, yeah. some kind of um, situation happens where, you know, Westerners come into play and then we see this whole other world come out of the industry that ends up, you know, uh, just continuously harming the agriculture yeah. in India. Yeah, I feel like it's also a great segue into like, not even a segue, I feel like it's so important to understand the history that we've sort of had and like the need to sort of decolonize design and art as we see it, even like the systems that exist in India today aren't, they're all foreign, like most of them are so foreign and that's sort of where the need to sort of reclaim what was initially there and what works for our country and what works um, you know, specifically to for our land and for our farmers is just like so important. It's so important to sort of break from what's been happening for years and like these practices of, um, you know, mass production and like throwing away clothes that you've sort of bought for like 200 bucks or, you know, like just valuing the textiles that you own was such an incredible part of just our heritage. Like, textiles were so deeply engraved into our sort of history like literally be it like wedding or be it like just making something for your child like it was just so ingrained in our systems in our history and sort of that completely doesn't ex like it doesn't exist as much today um and I do blame sort of the British for that. I'm curious to, you know, your thoughts and observations around kind of the resourcefulness of, um, you know, citizens across India based on also their position in society. Uh, because, you know, something that I've definitely observed is that, you know, people who are, you know, more like middle to lower class um, usually tend to be the ones more be, to be more resourceful because of, you know, budget and financial circumstances. Whereas people, people in like, you know, middle to upper classes are uh, a lot more prone to this like convenient throwaway lifestyle. Exactly. And like, that's, a, I can't say, I'm not, I, I don't, I hate to generalize, but you know, this is obviously an observation that I've made. And it, you know, it's also something that's evident in a lot of other countries as well. Um, and I'm yeah. curious, you know, what do you think are some of the kind of systemic issues around being resourceful as someone who is maybe, you know, seen as more of a middle to upper class, you know, person in society. Yeah. I think that kind of goes again to like the history of textiles, like literally the, the reason why textiles existed were a, for sort of just like to, for sh like just to survive, like just to be the first layer of protection that you wear. And I think the second was always um, social status. Uh, and I feel like today people just take that way too seriously. Like, I feel like that's just taken to a whole another level by sort of, you know, I feel like people dress to impress to such an extent that they would, they would be absolutely broke, but they would still invest in fashion. Um, and mm -hmm, they would definitely. still want to be wearing the newest um, thing. Or, you know, so I do like sort of feel that that, that is what sort of, um, I don't know where that stems from, but I do feel that a lot of it is also the way things are marketed. Um, I feel like this, this idea of also like, it's not just a consumer issue. It's also a very, um, it's also an issue on our end as designers and as like makers 
um, that I feel like the narrative that a lot of the times that goes from our end also is bye 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 bye. Um, so I feel like there's an issue on both ends um, to sort of um, there's always like you'll always see the way fashion is marketed as like oh look at this new it thing that you need to have today. So I feel like a lot of it is also brainwashed. Like there is a, a decent amount of brainwash there, uh, which I feel like is sort of the culprit of like this whole idea of um, overconsumption because it didn't exist before. Honestly, like I remember um, up until like my mom's generation, uh, it just like even today I literally wear my mom's clothes, and she's she has her clothes from before, and we literally just keep exchanging clothes and wearing each other's clothes so i feel like it is it is something that our generation specifically has started engaging in a lot more mm, for sure um yeah yeah i think it's also we're like you know we're deeply longing for also like connection i think you know we yeah. are a generation so attached to a mobile device you know even having a connection and some kind of a story to our clothing and, and the pieces that yeah. we buy is really is really uh, you know an important value in our buying decisions now, uh, which it hasn't yeah. been for a while. And you know, mm-hmm. on, on that note, you know, I'm curious, like going kind of into you know Loda and like talking about kind of that that you know narrative and and you know using this this enterprise for as like this catalyst for change in the industry. You know, um, you know, what were some of the biggest kind of um, barriers or challenges in kind of conceptualizing the brand? And I'd love for you to kind of talk uh, both about the actual you know, design and production side, but also the, the marketing and the graphics in this beautiful world uh, that you guys have built uh, online. Um, I'd love for you to dive more into that. Awesome. So um, essentially, Lota was started by me and my partner, Adirat Singh. Um, I sort of was thinking a lot, of, uh, a lot about like textiles and also like we always had these conversations around um, the textiles that I, I literally, how I told you about, um, you know, my childhood memories of just like climbing onto this mountain of just scrap, just like textile scrap cut out of like the sides of the garment or like, you know, um, cut out from like a square of a garment or whatever. Um, and I feel like that was kind of the starting point of Lota. We were just having things around um, how we as a new generation of creatives can change that narrative and change the way we think about garments because I feel like both of us always, uh, you know, were wearing hand-me-downs and we really valued that connection, like you mentioned as well, like just that connection of like wearing something from like your parents' wardrobe or like something that they wore when they were 15 or 16 you know like I feel like that was really important to the both of us for the textile to really hold meaning um so yeah we basically started Lota India um and what we do there is we essentially work with um shirts which are made out of um fabric scraps sort of cut out of um pieces made by mass manufacturing um units in Delhi and NCR Um, And how we sort of communicate that is through um, our virtual models that exist. Um, um, Basically, one of them is Rajiv. And then we have like six other virtual models who essentially model these garments. 
Um, and the idea behind that was essentially to sort of not only be sustainable in the way we're making, but at the same time also like be extremely conscious and be extremely sort of aware of how we're putting this out there, like how we make imagery. Um, and like, I feel like that was Adi Raj's um, sort of head where he said, you know, like I, I, I do believe that there is a lot of sort of carbon footprint that goes into um, the shoots that happen and the production of these shoots is like massive. Like you're flying um, a crew of maybe like 10 people to this beautiful location in Mauritius or like um, Dubai or XYZ. So you're basically like taking a flight to this place and then it's just really um, unsustainable the way these imageries are made even though they're beautiful imageries. Um, so we kind of wanted to see if we can challenge that also in um, a different way, which is where like this whole conversation of having like digital models really came up. Um, and also like a digital model, which was purely Southeast Asian, like, you know, which was brown, which was raw, which wasn't, you know, uh, of the beauty standards that uh, are projected by the West a lot of the times. Um, so I think that was that was an, a very important decision that the two of us sort of took um, to be working with these, um, which basically Adiraj makes, and uh, we sort of put them together in like these spaces, which we call Lota Land. Uh, it's like our alter reality, um, this sort of safe space of. Um, euphoria or just like when we're feeling low we're just like I wish we were a part of you know Lota land that's kind of where uh, the inspiration for that entire thing sort of started um, apart from that I feel like one of like the key challenges in having a small business in India is that there is a norm which says that it will take you 10 years for you to be a sustainable business and and I mean sustainable in, ter in the terms of finances and to sustain a business it will take you at least 10 years in this industry to just be comfortable or like just be making a decent amount of money so I feel like uh, luckily when we started we were, we were a very we were a very 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 small operation of like maybe three people um, and we sort of I think like that kind of worked in our fa favor in that time that, that it was just the three of us and we were just like turning, turning, turning. We were all multitasking. We were all doing everything. Um, I think that was a challenge and a blessing in disguise as well. Um, well, first of all, I'm a huge fan of Loda Land. Um, and something that I really like that you've kind of pointed out now twice in this, in this chat is talking about the, you know, using design and creation as this way to like nurture your mental health. And I think that is so, so crucial, um, especially during this time. Um, I'm actually, I'm actually currently putting together a project to kind of understand some of the mental health needs of social entrepreneurs, because the work that you're doing is always so like the, when, when, you, when you're doing something that you love, that you're passionate about, and that has this beautiful you know, impact component to it, I feel like the, the stress and anxieties that can come from the work and like feeling like you're never doing enough can be really, really heavy on your business. And then you know, on top of that, you know, saying something like, it takes 10 years to be financially sustainable. It's like, well, well damn, like, how am I ever yeah. gonna get there? You know? And yeah. um, so I think it's really beautiful that you've, you've spoken kind of about how 
your process does nurture you and your mental health. Um, and, you know, I'm curious, you know, have, what has been the response to, you know, your virtual models? Um, because they are very diverse um, and uh, it's, you can actually, it's, it's easy to actually connect to any one of them in a really unique way. So I'm curious how people have reacted to, um, to all of them. Um, I think the response has been, uh, uh, I mean, there's, there are a lot of people who still enjoy like the traditional sort of image making. Um, but at the same time, there are a lot of people who sort of enjoy this Lota land as like this altered reality. Um, There's just like escape from reality sort of situation. Um, and I think especially what we really got from the virtual models was like this constant sort of we heard this from a lot of people that we're so glad that, you know, you're not representing another model who looks who basically has like, you know, these Western features and like these sort of like is super fair and has like this perfect skin and this perfect face. Um, I think like people did enjoy um, it for the fact that it just looked really crooked and weird like it did look it just looked really raw I feel and I think that's what people really enjoyed um, and I think like it was really funny for both me and Adi to just like like get the other end of it where people were just like um, you know we're not sure like even with our tailors like even with the people who we work with uh, on the shirts they would just be like is that a real person like is did you just bring in <laughs> like a real person like uh, we're not sure what the hell's happening they found it hilarious they were just like what is even this man that you've gotten to model for you um so i think it's just been like it's been bittersweet like we've gotten both both ends of it where people are just like oh my god this is so amazing it's so great um but at the same time we've also gotten people to be like what is this <laughs> I guess like at the same time, you are challenging, you know, their perspective, um, you know, trying yeah. to think of how, how things can be different and can be unique and that they don't need to be the same. Um, so kudos for that, because I think not enough brands do that. And it's also a very uh, a challenging route to go because, you know, people do expect to see a certain uh, look or features. And when they don't, yeah. it definitely takes them off guard and they don't really know how to approach the brand or like how to engage. Um, but I definitely think that there is a bigger audience out there that is looking to feel um, like, you know, looking to feel like they're part of you know, uh, uh, the fashion world, like feeling like they can yeah. actually see some part of their identity and feel validated um, yeah. in, in that process. So uh, like totally kudos to that. I, I absolutely love the graphics and visuals. I've always been a fan of that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He's going to be so happy when he hears this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like we're going to have to have another chat with the two of you guys because uh, you guys are also so much fun together just listening to your experiences yeah, and the passion that you have. Like, yeah. Yeah. We love that we have this like dream team situation. Like, I'm just so happy that I have that. Um, I found that in my life to just have like this dream team situation. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it's great. It's honestly so nice to be working with like, like, you know, people in the same sort of wavelength as you in terms of like, um, how you creatively see stuff, how you make stuff. So that's, that's been amazing. 
Yeah. Do you have a secret to like what keeps an awesome partnership alive and thrive? Because I definitely feel like that's something that a lot of people actually uh, struggle with. I mean, we do have a lot of issues to be very honest. Like we have like insane amount of issues specifically because we're so invested creatively together. Like we're making a brand together. We're also like working together. Like we run ideas. We sort of with each other, we're always like pushing each other to be like, what do you think about that and that and that? Like, I have this amazing idea. Like, where? what do you think about it? So we do have this, like, a lot of, like, bouncing of ideas and just, like, a lot of support um, from each other. And, like, somehow we're just at the same wavelength in that sense. Like, we get each other's visions and it's just easier to work together. Um, but at the same time, it does affect our uh, personal sort of space, for sure. Like, because we're just so driven in terms of like we're just these two really eccentric sort of creatives uh, <laughs> who can probably you just we love talk it's always like I'm probably not the best to give advice there <laughs> that's okay yeah. that's like very vulnerable and authentic and I think you know finding what works in a partnership is also uh, it's very unique for everyone but it's definitely you know to uh, to have a dream team, to be able to say like, I have a dream team, I think is definitely um, a huge, huge value to the success uh, or the benefit to the success of everything that you do. So um, I'm always happy to hear that. Um, well, this has been so amazing. I, I know we're kind of running out of time. And I don't want to, I want to respect your time because you're innovating amazing, cool <laughs> shit for the world right now. I'm so, so sorry. <laughs> I feel like I just stopped so much. I'm so sorry. No, my God, you're amazing. This has been so fun. Um, I, I'd actually love to, you know, you know, what has, I, I know I hate to like, this has to kind of be the question of the season, but you know, what has quarantine been like for you? What have been your, some, your, some, some of your biggest reflections kind of moving forward and you know, what can the world expect from you and Loda in the near future as we move into our new normal? Um, I think for uh, me personally, like, quarantine's just been so incredible in the sense that um, I never had that opportunity to sort of slow down to this extent where I was just like, you know, staring at the ceiling and just being like, what am I going to do now? Like, what am I supposed to do with my life now? Um, and I think with that, it really sort of helped me get that clarity in my head where I was just like, um, A, I do feel call it wishful thinking but I do feel that the industry does like I I feel like it will definitely go into the space of you know how we spoke about um the connections the need for connections I feel like that sort of will come up so much more I feel like just the need for connections to even intangible sort of um not intangible but just like I feel like that need for connections even through objects or just like things that you have is just so much higher now like I just feel like the market for more meaningful products will definitely thrive and so I've just been thinking a lot about that and um, what other are my quarantine reflections uh, I think slow making is definitely one like just keep making just like understand and value the importance of the hands that you're so privileged and gifted to have um, and also like I feel like another very important thing that I've been thinking about is just like how you know we become gatekeepers of knowledge 
um, I think I've sort of grown away from that completely where I'm just like, I don't want to be a gatekeeper of knowledge or resources or anything in, you know, in, in, in the space that I make. Like I do want to be generous with my skill and I do want people to learn from my mistakes and, you know, like just making the world more kinder and just like more tender. I feel that's definitely somewhere my head's been at this whole time. Like I, I do feel that we just need to be way more nicer to each other and just way more kinder, like this whole idea of capitalism and just this, this way of working doesn't work at all is what um, COVID has taught us, I feel. Um, and I just feel like another key sort of takeaway that I've had is just like stand up for sustainability, stand up for the small businesses that you believe in. Like I've been supporting businesses and sort of, you know, donating money where um, I can and where, you know, I'm able to. And I feel like that's just really important to sort of um, help and just be kinder. I feel like it's just so important to be kinder, uh, especially now more than ever. Um, and also help like folks who have been sort of oppressed for, for, you know, decades and just like passing on that opportunity wherever you can um, is what sort of my key takeaway from this whole thing is. And something to expect from Lota is that we are definitely um, working more on this whole digital model situation. We're definitely exploring the space of virtual fashion not virtual fashion per se, but just like communicating um, more consciously and uh, through sort of these digital models. And in terms of like the textiles, I think we would love to sort of incorporate uh, and sort of engage more communities in the making than just um, sort of our team of five. Um, so we're kind of brainstorming on that and but at the same time also be kind kind like we're sort of also being super kind to ourselves and understanding mm. that it's okay like it's okay to take the time off um, and make when you're mentally um, okay and you know like just when you're ready and that should be okay you don't have to churn out um, pieces as per seasons or whatever it's really okay you need to think think your product through you have to think whatever you're putting out there through that's kind of been the takeaway that's beautiful thank you for sharing and uh, again like just uh, you guys seem to have a really beautiful um, connection in regards to making sure everyone feels inspired and ready to create and not having to create just for the sake of creating um, but also something that you that you just mentioned is also this I you know I really love I'm gonna quote you on it because it's so beautiful so understanding the value and the importance of the hands that you're so privileged and gifted to have. That is such a beautiful statement. And um, I think, you know, I, that being said, I just said like not creating for the sake of just creating, but I mean, uh, obviously create whenever you feel like you, when you want to create and not just like creating just to feed the masses, like actually putting yeah. love and passion and, and, and joy into the process, I think is so, so crucial. Um, 
this has been so so beautiful. Thank you. I feel like uh, I feel like you've reflected more throughout quarantine than I have. <laughs> I'm like I wish I had <laughs> these beautiful reflections. No, to share. <laughs> no but, I just feel like I'm. My head just runs so fast. Like I just feel like my mm. the pace that I've always worked on is just like so fast that I really really needed to. I I love how I had this time off. To be very honest, like I really needed it. If I needed to survive and stay sane, um, yeah. That being said, like mental health is definitely like so underrated. Like it's just not talked enough. Enough. Like it's just not talked about enough. Um, so yeah. Absolutely. Hope everyone's doing well. Yeah, I hope that more people are are using this time to, you know, reflect, absorb, like relax because, you know, obviously the stress of the situation is a whole other thing, but then also to like, you know, continue burying all of the unresolved shit uh, that's within you, burying it under the fear of COVID is... Uh, that that's just a, a recipe for disaster. So um, yeah. I second that. I do hope that people are taking this time. All of our listeners, I hope you guys are taking the time to ensure that you're feeling nurtured and ready to come out into a new normal. Um, and of course, if you know, um, if you've been very inspired by this, just as I have, um, Shadha, where can everyone find you online if they'd like to connect and learn more? Um, you can always email me or you can always like DM me on Instagram. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm sort of, I would love to hear from everybody. I would love to hear what people are working on. Um, and please don't be intimidated by this whole thought of, you know, messaging people. Just do it. I love, I love hearing from people. I love sort of talking, um, and chatting and seeing where people are in their lives. It's, it's super inspiring to hear from people. So Yes, DM me and email me if you want to chat. Awesome. I'll put all of the links to uh, the Loda website as well as to connect over Instagram in our notes. Um, Shadha, again, thank you so much for your time today. It's such a pleasure to chat with you and hear about your journey. And I'm feeling super inspired, actually. I'm going to like go take over the world now after this. So thank you so much for that. <laughs> This is so great. This is honestly so nice. I'm so glad that you took the time off to speak to me. So thank you. Absolutely. I hope you have an awesome day and we'll definitely be chatting again very soon. (laughs) Ha, feeling inspired? See what other impact stories we have to share over on carsartist.com. Be sure to subscribe for weekly updates from Grant and I about content, giveaways, and new episodes from Disruptors for Good and Impact India. Looking to learn more about social impact and conscious living in India? Hit me up on Instagram at Jasmine Rain. Cheers, friends.